Heavenly Father, we just come before you and we are so thankful for all that has transpired in the service thus far. And I pray, Lord, that you will help us to continue on in the Spirit. Father, as we get into your Word, Father, pour out your Spirit upon us. Give us wisdom and understanding. And Lord, I know, I know that your Word will not go void. It will not. And, and I pray that you will speak to each heart that will listen this day. Each one has a specific need today, and Lord, you know those needs. You know they're very hard. So I pray, Lord, that you will help each one of us. Direct our heart, I pray. Teach us, Lord. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Uh, We're going to start in Romans, the sixth chapter, reading first, uh, verses 16 through 18. I'll be reading from the New King James Version this morning. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Now, I know we've talked about even when we first started the book of Romans and and uh, and even a couple of weeks ago and, and I believe even last Sunday we, we've talked about being slaves that everyone on the face of this planet is a slave and I take that from what we read from the Bible and again I know it's not a politically correct statement but it is true and biblically speaking There are only two categories of slaves, and everyone is in one of those two categories. There is no other. You're either a slave of sin leading to death, or you're a slave of righteousness leading to eternal life. That's not my words, that's Scripture. You're one of the two. All on the face of this planet, is one or the other. Either sin is your master or the Lord is your master. Because a slave is bound to serve their master. And no one can faithfully serve two masters. Who said that? Jesus said that in Matthew 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. We all have but one true master. We're either a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. And may we all ask ourselves, the question, which category of slave am I? And someone may say, well, preacher, how do I know? Well, Paul gives us the answer. We, we read it already.
Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? So here, let, let me pose a question. If a person is a true born-again believer, their heart has been transformed by God, they no longer have a heart of stone, as we've talked about last Sunday, but rather have a heart of flesh, here's the question, is obedience to God and His Word important? It's almost too silly to ask, isn't it? Yes. Yes, it's important. And we did read uh, from Ezekiel last Sunday concerning that divine act of God. And that's what it is. A divine act of God that will take a heart of stone and transform it into a heart of flesh. And, and we talked about what that truly means. A heart of stone, dead. It's dead. No spiritual life there. The heart of flesh, that is in regard to being alive. Alive in the Spirit. And, and I want to read... Um, in Ezekiel again in the 11th chapter. We're just going to take two verses today. And I would ask this question. Why does God cause this transformation to take place? Why did God... Uh, Jim talked about election in the Spurgeon sermon that he quoted from today. Why would God elect anyone to faith? Why would God transform any stony heart into a heart of flesh a living spiritual heart. Why? Well, let's read again in Ezekiel 11, 19 and 20. Then I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within them and take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. And I'll pause there and say, why? Why would God do that? Well, here it is in verse 20. That they may walk in my statutes and keep my commandments, and do them. Now let me pause. Well, what's he saying? That you obey me. That you obey. That they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments. That's it, it, Statutes and judgments and commands all in the Word of God. That they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. One of the evidences that they are my people is that they hear me, they believe me, they trust me, they obey me. Let's go to the next passage in Ezekiel 36. Verses 26 and 27. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take out the heart of stone. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. And here we go again. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Why does He take out the heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh? That we might be His children, that we might obey Him. He has made us alive. 
that in everything that we would say and do, that it would bring honor and glory to Him. See, for the born-again believer, our old life of unrighteousness is past. Amen? It is past. Our old life of indifference and hostility toward God is past if we are in Christ. And, and listen, the old sinful way of life cannot continue to characterize a true Christian. It can't. The old sinful way of life, the old man, as Paul has talked about, cannot continue to characterize a true Christian, the new man. Obedience to God in righteous living is a certainty in the life of a truly justified person. Is that a statement that is worthy to say yes and amen to? Obedience to God and righteous living is a certainty in the life of a truly justified person. Now, I, I, I need to qualify that statement, I suppose. Am I talking sinless perfection? That's not what I'm meaning. I'm not, I'm not talking sinless perfection. We talked about this quite a bit throughout the years. Uh, the, we, I'm, I'm not saying that we as born-again believers never sin while we're still walking around on planet earth. We do. Sad to say, we do. I do, you do. It's no secret. We're not perfect. And we'll not be perfect until we're glorified together with Him. So, Jim mentioned the word sanctification, and we'll be getting to that in the weeks to come. That that is our growth while we're here. That is our continually putting off sin and growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, being made more perfect, being made more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ until we are in His presence, and then we will be perfect as He is perfect because we will be like Him. But this I know, if a true born-again believer sins, there will come a point, and I would hope it would be immediate, but there will come a point where they will be convicted of that sin. Because our loving, gracious Heavenly Father will not leave His children out there in sin. He won't leave you there. He will come for you. He will bring you back. And in bringing you back, that may involve discipline. It may involve some pain. But He will bring you back. But it's because He loves you and you are His child. And this I know, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, having been born again, we were washed. We were washed clean. Sins forgiven. Past, present, future. So that we can stand clothed in a robe of righteousness before God the Father. A robe not of our own doing, but of Christ. That's then. We have been saved from the penalty of sin, but while we're yet on this earth, we still have to deal with the power of sin here on this earth. We get dirty. 
We're walking in a world of filth and degradation and sin. And sometimes some of it, again, sadly, sticks to us. Can I say it that way? But we come to Him and we confess our sin, sins to Him. Even as a child of God, we sin or we must go and we must confess those sins. And then He does. He cleanses us. Cleanses us. Now, I believe that we can take Scripture and say that it teaches us that a true believer cannot continue indefinitely in sin. That sin will not be their practice of life. We, we talked about that a little bit earlier, Jesse. That a true believer's practice of life cannot continually be toward sin and disobedience. There may be occasional sin and disobedience, but it will not be the entirety of their life. It cannot be. A true believer's practice of life cannot continually be towards sin and disobedience. 1 John 1, verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, with the Lord, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm a Christian. Yeah, yeah. I, I go to church, I do all that stuff on Sunday, and then live like the devil the rest of the time. That's your practice of life. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, that we're truly His, but yet we walk in darkness, what's it say of us? We lie. We're just lying to ourselves. We're lying to everybody. Because we're not practicing the truth. The truth of God is not our daily practice. 1 John 2, verse 4. He who says, I know Him, I know the Lord, I know Christ, He lives in me, I know Him, and does not keep His commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in Him. That's a pretty powerful statement, isn't it? Oh yeah, I know Him, I know Him. But you don't keep His commandments. What's that say of you? You're just a liar. You don't have any truth in you. In 1 John 3, verses 8 through 10, and we're going to be reading this one uh, from the ESV version. Uh, I, I like it better. I know I, through the years I've talked about this because it adds, uh, uh, I think, a better, clearer interpretation by adding that word practice that some of the others do not do. So, so let's read it this morning. Uh, 1 John 3, 8 through 10. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. So there's a pretty clear statement, is it not? If that's your practice of life, that's all you do, you're of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. 
No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. And again, a pretty clear, straightforward passage. And it's not talking about a momentary sin. It's talking about a continual, that's all you do, that's your practice of life. Now, I hope you're understanding that. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. The Spirit of God in us, you see. The Christ in us. For God's seed abides in Him, and He cannot keep on sinning. <laughs> see, see, there's the statement right there, isn't it? He cannot keep on sinning. It can't be His practice of life that that's all they do. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. That's how you know. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Talked about love this morning. Goes hand in hand. If we're born of God, born of the Spirit, we're trusting God and we're obeying Him, we're going to love others. Characteristic of a true born-again child of God. See, the unregenerate natural man of Adam is under continual slavery to sin. Now listen, no, no matter how outwardly moral, upright, or benevolent an unsaved person may appear to be, they are yet spiritually dead, yet have a heart of stone, and are yet a slave to sin and death. As I've talked about, People with a heart of stone can do a lot of good things. They can support a lot of great causes. And even have an outward appearance, perhaps as a Christian or a child of God, just by an outward display of doing these good things, but inside, still a heart of stone. Because remember this, what Paul said in in, in Romans 3, verses 10 through 18. As it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. We're talking about those with a heart of stone. They don't understand. There's no righteousness there. They don't seek God. They have all turned aside. They have all together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. And that was all of us at one time. Never forget that. That was all of us at one time. Their throat is an open tomb, and their tongues, they have, with their tongues, they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their hands, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. 
The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Verse of amazing grace, He taught my heart to fear, and then my fears relieved. Hmm. But by grace through faith we are changed, we have been raised from the dead to newness of life by this divine act of grace, mercy, and love. Our very nature was changed. We were transformed into a slave of righteousness, a new creation in Christ. In Romans 6, verse 17. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. This is what you were, but now in Christ, you're a slave of righteousness. You obeyed from the heart. And this obedience will be ongoing. It will be continual. Saving faith and obedience is inseparable. Can we, can we call that a true statement? Saving faith and obedience to God is inseparably connected. There is no saving faith in God apart from obedience to God. We'll put it a little bit stronger. And there can be no true godly obedience without saving faith. To say it in the opposite. There is no saving faith in God apart from obedience to God. And there can be no godly obedience without saving faith. Titus 2, verses 11 through 14. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for Himself His own special people, zealous for good works. Did you get that? He gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from every lawless deed, and purify us, that would be His special people, zealous for good works. And we know what James said. James, the second chapter, verses 17 and 18. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now, let me pause there for a minute. Can, can we look at that this way? Faith by itself, if it does not have obedience... Am I, am I going too far if I say that? Because good works, good works, we're gonna, we're gonna read from Ephesians 2 in a minute. Those things that He has laid out before us. And so if we're gonna follow after those things that He has laid out before us, then that's being obedient to Him. And so these, these works, these good works, are just us being obedient to God and following after what He is telling us. Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Because that's true faith. That's true faith. 
I've heard it said this way, we are saved by grace through faith alone, but saving faith is never alone. In other words, saving faith will always be followed by good works and obedience. We're saved by grace through faith alone, but saving faith is never alone. Always followed by obedience and good works. And that's Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. Dusty alluded to this uh, as he was talking just a few minutes ago. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not of works. What's it saying? We're not saved by works. It's not a work salvation. Lest anyone should boast, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ for good works. Not saved by works, but saved for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. No one is saved by their good works. We're saved by grace through faith. And now listen, and I catch this. Obedience does not produce or maintain salvation. Okay? It doesn't pr- produce Salvation, and you can't maintain your salvation. Who has our salvation in His hand? It's the Lord. It's the Lord. So obedience does not produce or maintain salvation, but obedience to God and His Word is an inevitable characteristic of those who are truly saved. I think that's true. Obedience to God and His Word is an inevitable characteristic of those who are truly saved. So it seems to me that having a desire to know and obey God's truth is a mark of genuine saving faith. I was reading uh, some of John MacArthur's things and, and probably most of this sermon was influenced by what I read from him. But I just want to have a quote from him. A person does not become a Christian by claiming the name of Christ and then believing and doing whatever he himself wants. Sounds a little bit like what Spurgeon said, didn't it? (laughs) A person does not become a Christian by claiming the name of Christ and then believing and doing whatever he, he himself wants. You cannot become a Christian by merely saying or doing certain things, even the godly things extolled in Scripture, but after genuine salvation, a person will have the innate spirit-led desire to know and to obey God's truth. End quote. Can't do it apart from saving faith. Might have an appearance. Might be like the the seed that was planted on the stony ground that we talked about, it may, it may flourish up and, and look real, but there's no root. It's still a heart of stone. Now, just a, a few verses on obedience. John 14, verse 15. If you love me, the Lord said, keep my commandments. Pretty clear, isn't it? If we love the Lord, 
We will keep His commandments. We will obey. Luke 11, verse 28. And this was, uh, you, you can read the, the scriptures around it. I didn't put it all in there. This is in, in response to those who are saying, well, well blessed be Mary, uh, the, the womb that carried Christ. And this was His response. But He said, more than that, Blessed are those who hear the Word of God and keep it. And by keeping the Word of God doesn't mean, okay, I got the Bible, I can put it on my shelf, I'm going to keep it right there. That's not what it's talking about. Keep it means obeying. You're going to keep the Word of God. You're going to obey the Word of God. So blessed are those who hear the Word of God and keep it. In Luke um, 6, and we're just going to read the, the verse 46. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? (laughs) Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Praise you, Lord, praise you, Lord. And then walk out and not do anything His Word says. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things, all these things, all this stuff? Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness, licentiousness. It wasn't of me. It wasn't wrought by the Spirit. It was still yet a heart of stone with an appearance. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? And then we've we've added. You you have to put it in your notes. Matthew fifteen. Verses eight through nine, and this is Jesus, and, and he's quoting from Old Testament here. These people draw near to me with their mouth, and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines, the commandments of men. They draw near with their mouth. They honor me with their lips. Oh, they'll say all the good stuff in front of the right people. But their heart is far from me. Their heart is yet a heart of stone. Many of you know that passage from 1 Samuel 15, verse 22. So Samuel said, as the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams, to heed the voice of the Lord. See, anyone... Back in this day, first Samuel's in Samuel's day, anyone could take a sacrifice and and, and offer it up to the Lord as a burnt offering. And any anybody could do that. But they were not obeying the voice of the Lord. Uh, that's what I'm getting from it in their lives and in their living. 
And so, so you take that to, to say everything that I've, I've been alluding to thus far. We can come, we can praise the Lord with our lips, but where's our heart? What's the evidence that, that this praise actually means anything? Is it just vain? It's just vain worship. There's nothing to it other than outward appearance. But what does the Lord desire greater than sacrifice? Obedience. Obedience. In John 14, verse 21, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself in him. (laughs) In Christ. Christ in me. And then then here's here's the question. Well, well, what, what will this true saving faith and obedience look like? Tell me, tell me, preacher, those things I need to do. Give me, give me the application, preacher, right? So that I can do the list you're going to give me, and then I'll know I'm okay because I'm doing the list that you're telling me. I, I don't do that. But I will give you Scripture and pray the Holy Spirit gives you application. Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. I would think saving faith and obedience will look like this. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Mark's gospel includes strength. All your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. That that is a tremendous passage. So so do I I love the Lord with all my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength? Do, Do I do that? Do you do that? Do I love my neighbor? Do I love as I should? See, those are, that's the evidences that, that we are truly born again. That we are His. So perhaps I could ask the question this way today. Do you truly love the Lord this morning? Does the confession of our lips on Sunday morning match the life we live the rest of the week? Or is it just lip service on Sunday and we'll just live out ever how we want to the rest of the week? Are we honoring the Lord with our voices but dishonoring the Lord in the lives that we are living in our lack of obedience? If we truly love Him, we will keep His commandments. We will obey Him And this I know, because it's what we've been talking about. I know this, that you cannot obey with a heart of stone. Can't be done. 
comes from a heart of true belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ, of obeying from the heart, Paul said. So then it comes down to this. Have you confessed Jesus as Lord? From a true heart of faith. Let's read Romans 10, verses 9-13. through 13. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And, and this I know. That, see, let me pause there. For this I know. This I know. When, when it says that, believe from the heart. You, you do that because the Lord has revealed to you the truth of the Gospel. That, that, that's how you can do that. That you've heard the Gospel, you've heard the Gospel, you've heard the Gospel. You've heard that Jesus has died for your sins. You've heard it and you've heard it and you've heard it. But at some point, I pray the Lord makes it real. He opens your eyes truly to the, the truth. And, and He'll take your heart of stone, change it to that heart of flesh, and then you can believe because you've been made alive. And He gives you faith to believe. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give You thanks for Your Word. and I pray that every born-again believer that has heard this or is listening can truly take it and meditate upon it. I know I need to. We all need to. We need to examine our lives. and Are we following You, Lord? Are we obeying as we should? So, Father, direct our path. In the midst of living life here on earth, help us to not miss the opportunities that You would place before us, those good works that You are placing before us. Help us, Lord, to never be so consumed with other thoughts and other things that we miss those opportunities. And by missing them, Lord, we're, we're being disobedient. So, Lord, help us that we would worship You from a true heart of righteousness. Help us, Lord. We, we can't do it on our own. We know that. It must come from the strength that You supply. So, Father, help us to yield ourselves daily to You. To serve You as we should. Obey You as you sh we should. To display our love for You to others as we should. And to love others as we should. Father, should there be one who is listening even now, who is yet lost, their heart is still a heart of stone, I pray by a miracle of grace that You would transform that heart. That You would open their eyes to see the truth clearly and plainly recognizing that they're a sinner in need of a Savior. Lord, show them 
the gospel that perhaps they've heard for years and years and help them to believe it is true for the first time. Help them, Lord, as they would turn from their sin, as they would believe and, and confess Jesus as Lord and receive Christ. And Lord, help them. And that they might, like us, Lord, live the rest of their days following You and obeying Your very Word and commands. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.